Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, and thank you for joining Dating While Black's radio podcast. Dating While Black was created to open real dialogue between the sexes in hopes that it will foster positive exchange and help cultivate our communities. The radio segments will address issues that relates to the world, our communities, relationships, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this segment. I was introduced to narcissism <laughs> only in my adult life, likely during college psychology 101. Um, but also what made me revisit this was after the end of one of my relationships. I started Googling and come, came across an article that seemingly resonated with what I had endured. Then after that article, I went on to search for more information. I then took my curiosity, of course, to YouTube for more content. As people began to express through videos and explain their experiences, which was so familiar to me, I felt a little sense of calmness. And then, of course, like a mad woman, I continued to look <laughs> and continued to look for more and more information that is available on the internet about the about narcissism. And after hours upon hours of extensive research, I promise you at that time I could possibly even give a lecture about narcissists, narcissistic abuse and their victims. All jokes aside, I hope this episode will help prove to be helpful to anyone that's listening. Because if you are out searching for answers like I was, it was always refreshing, but sad at the same time to realize that you are not alone and other people are experiencing some of the things that you've experienced. And there's a whole lot of people that have actually overcame the aftermath or after effects of being uh, a victim of narcissistic abuse. First, I do want to say that it is important that is important to know that only a professional can truly diagnose a person's mental disorder. And yes, narcissism is a mental disorder. Oftentimes, people believe someone they know or dated is a narcissist. And we honestly throw that term around so often that is 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 ridiculous. Sometimes we just have to understand that the person that we were dating just wasn't for us. The individual could have been just a jerk or completely full of themselves, but it does not necessarily make them out to be a narcissist. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily a narcissist. So this episode is not an attempt to help scorned lovers diagnose anyone. 
I just want you to be aware of some of the signs and cues of clues of narcissistic abuse. So that if you are suffering from any narcissistic injury as a result, that you are able to identify and get the help that you need to work through this. And understand most importantly that you're not crazy, but you might want to seek help if you are struggling with working through your emotions. In this episode, we will define narcissism, explore its origin and link to Greek mythology, then we'll move over to the common characteristics of narcissists. After that, I will share with you the cycle of abuse that people experience in narcissistic relationships, as well as give you some of the techniques or tactics that they often use. This is going to be an interesting, somewhat enlightening um, introduction to narcissism to many and a beginning of a long healing process for others. Again, I want to say if you are suffering or you know of someone that is suffering from this type of abuse, please, please understand the importance of seeking help uh, so that you can work through this because it is hard trying to do this on your own and you need to have all the tools available for you to do so. In the description, I have a link to websites available for anyone and just identifying what you're going through is definitely a start so before we get into this now I want to share with you the National Center of Domestic Abuse hotline the number is 800-799-7233 and that's 800-799-7233 and if you are listening to us and we have a great deal of listeners outside of the United States. I also provided a link that has a list of domestic violence hotlines in different countries, such as Australia, Japan, uh, or different areas, New Zealand, Pakistan, UK, which we have a lot of listeners in the UK as well. So we have a lot of ground to cover over a short period of time. So let's go ahead and dig in. Definition. According to the Mayo Clinic, the narcissistic personality disorder is one of several types of personality disorders. It is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. But behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that is vulnerable to the slightest bit of criticism. It goes on to say that a narcissistic personality disorder causes problems in many areas of life, such as relationship, work, school, or financial affairs. People with narcissistic personality disorder may generally be unhappy and disappointed when things are not given, when they are not given special favors or admiration that they believe they deserve. They find their relationships unfulfilling and others may not enjoy being around them. So in less than a minute, that is a clinical um, explanation or definition of the narcissistic personality disorder. 
Okay, so now we're going to jump into uh, a little story about a character in Greek mythology. Um, there are different variations of the story, but the overall premise is the same. Narcissus was a young hunter in Greek mythology, and he was described as one of the most beautiful young men of his time. Men and women alike would deeply fall in love with just the sight of him. The sad thing is, is that he was incapable of feeling love or loving anyone but himself. He was often harsh and cruel to his many admirers. It was said that he would live a long life as long as he did not recognize himself. This would end up becoming his demise. The One day when he was on a hunting trip or expedition, he came across his own reflection in a nearby uh, river. The reflection indeed was one of the most beautiful figures that he's images, excuse me, that he's ever seen. He could only marvel at the beautiful reflection that appeared before him. And though it was a reflection of himself, he immediately fell in love with it. And as reality set in, sunk in for him, he became sorrowful, realizing that the image of himself, which became the object of his affection, would never be able to love him back. As the story has been told, he had an untimely demise. Some stories say that he died out of uh, dehydration and starvation because he did not want to disturb the reflection of his own image, uh, while other stories states that he basically drowned uh, by jumping into that body of water trying to, trying to link up with his actual reflection. Now, there's different variations of the story, but it is very, very telling. And again, the overall premise is the same. We have a self-absorbed person who rejects anybody, uh, may entertain them, but at the end of the day, he really cannot love them the way that they want to be loved. And he's ugly towards these individuals uh, for whatever reason. And... The only person that he can truly love is himself. And the tragedy of that is, is that that love for him was never fulfilling. And it ultimately ended in his demise, or his life ultimately ended in his demise. Look it up. If you're into uh, Greek mythology, um, there's some pretty interesting stories out there. So now we're moving on to characteristics, and we're doing great on time. I'm excited about this. Now, there are different variations of the story uh, that I just told you, but of course you get the picture. But moving on to characteristics, there are, I'm going to give you a list of some of the most common characteristics of a narcissist. Now, this I got off of the Mayo Clinic's website, but I also found the same on quite a few other websites, so I don't know where it derived from, but the Mayo Clinic is a very, very reputable source, so without further delay, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. I have, it looks like, maybe about 15 different um, different characteristics, but there is a lot more than that. Um, okay, so number one, they have an exaggerated sense of self-importance. 
Now these are not in any particular order, let me say that, but I'm just going down the list. Narcissists also have a sense of entitlement and require constant or excessive admiration. We all kind of know somebody like that. They expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements to warrant it. They exaggerate their achievements and talents. Uh, they're often preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate. They also believe that they are superior and can only associate with a special, uh, equally special people. They oftentimes monopolize conversations and belittle or look down on people they perceive as inferior. Narcissists expect special favors and unquestioning compliance with their expectations. So they're very, very demanding and they want to be treated differently or special. They take advantage of others to get what they want. They also have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. So they're very self-centered and self-absorbed. They tend to be envious of others and believe that others envy them. Narcissists also behave in an arrogant or haughty manner, coming across as conceited, boastful, and pretentious. And they also insist on having the best of everything, for instance, the best car or the best office. They oftentimes become impatient or angry when they don't receive the special treatment. They have significant interpersonal problems and easily feel slighted oftentimes resulting in them reacting with rage or contempt and trying to belittle the other person to make themselves feel superior. Um, narcissists experience major problems in dealing with stress and adapting to change. And believe it or not, they have secret feelings of insecurity, shame, vulnerability, and humiliation. So what I read off to you is just a list of some, not all, of the characteristics of a narcissist. And I also found that not all narcissists have the same type of characteristics. I mean, you may, you don't have to, in order to be a narcissist, you do not have to identify with each one of these characteristics. But chances are, if there's quite a few that describes one individual, chances are that they are exhibiting uh, traits or characteristics of a narcissist. Now, down to the nitty-gritty, the love cycle of a narcissist. Okay? So, if you've been in a relationship or know of anyone that's been in a relationship that feels like it's on an emotional roller coaster, sometimes we... Uh, come up with our own diagnosis of the person. This person's bipolar. This person's freaking a narcissist. Or this person has some type of mental problem, you know. Uh, or this person is flat out crazy. Sometimes people are just drawn to drama. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have some type of mental disorder. They're just used to drama and dysfunction. But... There is something to be said about the love cycle of being in a relationship with a narcissist. And their love cycle 
basically across the board is the same vicious cycle and it could involve many people or they go from victim to victim to victim. So the first step, one of three, or the first cycle is the idolize phase. That's when they do the love bombing. They love you. You're the best person they've ever dated. They have never found anybody like you. You've restored their hope um, and love and relationship. You're so much better than anybody that they've ever dated or been in love with. You're the apple of their eye. I mean, and all this stuff sounds good. These are things that we want to hear. And these are the, this is an idea of the perfect relationship. Someone that has the same type of feelings that you share about them, right? But the problem is with love bombing, a lot of times this comes too soon. They quote unquote express these type of feelings that normally most people experience over a period of time, over an extended period of time, they are starting to experience this early on in the courtship or early on in the relationship. What this does is if you're not aware or if you're not careful, you fall into the trap that they've set in order for you to let down all of your guards, okay? So in the beginning, the is is beyond the honeymoon phase. You know what I'm saying? It's beyond, I love this person, I enjoy this person's company, I want to spend my, the rest of my life or all my time with this person. This person makes me a better person. It's beyond the uh, initial attraction, the fun phase of the relationship where everything's perfect. This person is love bombing the hell out of you. Love bombing. Just look it up. Uh, I might even do a section on love bombing. I know I'm doing a section on a couple of the uh, tactics that they use, which is coming up in the in a couple of minutes. But that's the idolized phase, which I'm pretty sure you get what that is by now. Moving on to the next phase. Once they've got you where they want you, uh, then they start the devaluation phase of the relationship. Oftentimes, they start an attempt to isolate you, but not always. This is not always the case. But some of your ideas, all of a sudden, is not valid anymore. Some of your questions are stupid to them or thoughts are idiotic they'll start being verbally abusive during this time frame and it can be very very subtle it could be very very subtle or it can be very very swift either way it is a stark contrast between the idolized phase in the devaluation phase because during the previous phase you were perfect and you're put on this pedestal and then when they start to turn and they're ready to take part of their mask off um, and they start to the doing the devaluation part that's when all of a sudden they start picking at every fabric of who you are or the things that mean the most to you 
they start devaluing you, not just mentally, but verbally. And they use certain tactics to help um, you fall deeper and deeper into their, their web. So they start devaluing you. Some of the things that you say are not valid to them. It's stupid. Uh, sometimes they may say harsh things about you or your appearance or things that they know that is hurtful. And if you call them out on it, they may say, oh, I'm just joking with you. You're being too sensitive. Those type of things. So after the devaluation phase, and if you're still there, it's time. They've, they've got everything that they want or they got you where they want you. Then they go to, the, to start looking for a new victim. They don't know they're looking for a new victim, but basically you are devalued to them. You're no longer on this platform or this, this pedestal. They start looking for a new victim. See, once you get to the devalue phase, you're no longer what they consider valuable enough to feed their narcissistic desires, which is a term that clinical psychologists use is called narcissistic supply. As long as you're giving them their supply, which is basically filling them up with uh, how great they are, how wonderful of a person they are, as long as things are going good in the relationship, then you're providing narcissistic supply. You're also providing narcissistic supply if you are giving them any type of energy, even if it's negative energy. You may be telling them how horrible they are. The attention sometimes for some narcissists is enough supply that they keep it going. Even though it's not healthy because at the end of the day, they're not mentally healthy individuals anyway. They love a sense of importance. And if you, what you're giving them is a lot of your energy, either positive or negative, they know that, you're, that they are somewhat important in your life. But once they're done with you, regardless of what time of day it is, <laughs> they're done. And then they start the discard phase. And a lot of times that discard phase happens pretty, pretty quick, pretty abruptly. Once they are done with you, chances are they already have another victim lined up, unfortunately. Now, this doesn't mean that they won't ever come back because if that situation isn't good enough for them, or if, if it's not, if that person decided or that the next person, their next victim sees the signs, they may not know what is going on, but some people are pretty hip to BS and they jump out because maybe it's something that they've experienced before in the past. Uh, they jump out, but once they discard, and if you look up the definition of discard, it's really is to get rid of someone or something that is that has no longer any use 
or is no longer desirable. So at that point, when they're kind of washing their hands of you, that is really a, a time of where a lot of people find out that they've been a victim of this type of abuse. Because in the beginning phase, everything's great. There's no need to say, hey, what the hell's going on <laughs> in my relationship? After the idolization phase, the devaluation phase, sometimes people start to internalize and think there's something wrong with them, that they did something wrong because how all of a sudden they got so much validation from this person to, well, now they're not getting that. So sometimes people are not even hip to even understand that what they've experienced. And then the discard phase at this point, the victim is kind of left with trying to pick up the pieces. And that's when a lot of people at that point start to seek out help. Because their narcissists may no longer even be contacting them. They may have ghosted them. Next, we'll talk about the tactics being used. So there's a, an abundance of different tactics that narcissists use and they may not even be aware that there's terminologies uh, created to describe some of the fury or the results of their actions I'll say that so one is gaslighting and I actually have a whole um, episode on gaslighting itself because it's too long to go into it here so gaslighting is one, and that is when the narcissist attempts to make you think that you're going crazy, that you didn't see what you just saw, you didn't hear what you just heard, that they did not say what they just said or did what they just did. The gaslighting is a very, very uh, common diversion tactic that narcissists use. They also can be passive-aggressive. They often... Um, they're often passive-aggressive, not always, and not all of them are, but they do use some type, some passive-aggressive traits to control their victims. Uh, one of their most, one of the most common traits that they do, excuse me, or actions or tactics, let me say that, that's a better word, is to ignore, to literally ignore you as if you do not exist and that could be over ignoring your calls uh you guys could even be in the same room and they can ignore you completely because you did something that they did not appreciate so they're passive aggressive in several respects one of the tactics they use uh is to ignore you completely um also they often stonewall. Stonewalling is kind of like another tactic that they use in order to, um, during a conversation, in order to stop you or prohibit you from voicing your own opinion. Uh, stonewall is kind of like a filibuster in the Senate. <laughs> um, it's just... 
it's just another tactic that they use in order to muffle your voice and your opinion. Uh, so stonewalling is a, a tactic that's used. They also uh, participate in smear campaigns. Um, they try their hardest to make you look bad or to harm your reputation. So they also love, love, love doing smear campaigns. They also take jabs, but they at you. Um, jabs could be anything to say any type of issue that they have with you. Uh, they'll say it in a very harsh way, such as, you look fat today. They may, they may say something about your weight, your overall appearance, or whatever trigger that they know that can hurt you or that will cause some type of reaction out of you, they'll take, that, they'll take a jab at you. And if you respond by, by any means, if you respond by telling them how it made you feel, or if you fight back, a lot of times they disguise those hurtful comments as jokes and try to make it appear as if you're being oversensitive. So they do jabs. Um, they also bait you. Are we talking about jabs? They also use baiting. And the purpose of this is to attempt to make you act or react in a certain way in order for them to gain an advantage by, while making you appear to be unstable. Baiting could be a good example of being baited is they know there's something that can trigger you, that can trigger an argument or trigger you to out, outside, act outside of your normal character. And a lot of times they'll do that. And it doesn't even have, they don't even have to have an audience. They'll do that in order for you to take the bait so that they can allow the storyline to play out whichever way they want. So baiting is very deliberate. It's a very deliberate attempt to make you act in a certain way so that they can back down and say, hey, kind of acting crazy here. That's baiting. Projection. They also tend to project their own feelings of insecurity onto you. Uh, they also hover. Um, ever heard of the hover back? They hover, which is basically after they discard you, they are still somewhere in the background. Every now and again, they may reach out to you just to test the waters. Doesn't mean they want to be with you after, after they discard you. Doesn't mean that they're interested in anything that you got going on in your life. Sometimes they just want to test the waters to see if or see where your head is at. That's called hovering. You also have triangulation. That is when they bring in another party to validate their beliefs about you, about how inferior you are or how crazy you're acting. They bring in a third party that's supposed to be quote-unquote unbiased that may not have, most of the times the third party doesn't even have all of the facts, but they bring a third party in just to validate what they are saying or feeling or projecting on you.
They also have no accountability. They are quick to shift blame. If there is a situation that happened between the both of you, and let's say the both of you guys did something wrong, you may be quick to say, okay, I do apologize. However, they fail to take accountability for their actions. Now, these are just some of the things that or some of the tactics that they use on their victims. This is not a complete list. Um, and, you know, not everyone used these tactics. Not our narcissists do. And with that being said, I can also argue that just because you've experienced any of these things doesn't mean that the person um, is a narcissist. Like, I've ignored people, too. <laughs> Does that mean I'm a narcissist? Who knows? But at the end of the day, you cannot um, look at these tactics and say, yep, I dealt with a narcissist. A narcissist needs to be clinically uh, diagnosed. And people use these tactics all the time, and they're nowhere near being a narcissist. But just understand that these are some uh, tactics that narcissists use, um, if not some of them, all of them. Someone listening today may be able to uh, identify with everything that I've said and may have identified more than half of these things on the list. Next, I'm going to jump on to the damage. Now, there's obvious damage to one's self-image and self-esteem. If you stay long enough, um, you can, not saying that it's the tr this is the case for everybody, but you can have at some point looked at yourself internally where you start to internalize to try to uh, rationalize or reconcile everything that's going on with you. You could be at the point where you're saying, what did I do to deserve this? This person is right. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe no one else will love me. Because a part of narcissistic abuse is the way they attempt to make you feel not worthy. And that's generally during the devaluation and the discard phase of the narcissistic love cycle. It has, uh, it can damage anybody's well-being, mental well-being, especially if you are in love with someone. It can be very, or it is very, very hurtful. It's very hurtful. The damage can last for years. It could, even after the narcissist is gone and baby, no longer even have any contact uh, with the narcissist. Some of the effects, if the person does not seek help, or if the person lacks the tools necessary internally to overcome some of the uh, effects of being a victim of narcissism. Sometimes this stuff can last for a long time and they take it 
from relationship to relationship, not being able to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to accept love from someone. So that's why it is very, very important. And I started it off, um, this episode off by expressing the importance of seeking help if necessary. So in closing, I'm going to say how I'm going to share with you how important it is to protect yourself and how important it is to understand that you're not alone. The first way, first thing that you can do in order to protect yourself, because at the end of the day, we can't control the actions of anybody, and we definitely can't control who we end up falling in love with or falling for. I mean, let's just be honest. No one is out there wearing a sign on their back saying, hey, I'm a narcissist. And quite frankly, no one is signing up to fall in love or fall for a narcissist either. So the best way to protect ourselves is to be aware of the signs. Sometimes we find out stuff later, (laughs) but as long as you are aware of the signs, you can be equipped to make sure that if you have been a victim before, to make sure that you are um, aware so you don't become a victim again. And for those of you who've never been a victim, you're at a good spot because the things that is available, the research that's available on the internet can truly help you identify a potential narcissistic uh, person so that you can make a true educated choice not to be or not to entertain that person because it's, it's not healthy. So the number one thing you can do is educate yourself and be aware of the signs. Uh, and if you have been a victim and you're still dealing with those effects, definitely seek out help. Another way uh, is to set boundaries. Some people have narcissists in their life that they don't have any choice but to deal with them, especially if they are um, related to you. The narcissist, I know in this article I mainly spoke of romantic relationships, but a narcissist, narcissistic abuse is not just stop or only deal or is not only if I can speak today it is not only um, prevalent in intimate relationships it is there in almost every relationship that a narcissist has it's at work as described in the Mayo Clinic's um, definition a clinical definition that I shared with you earlier it could be at work it could be just with family members it could be with friends You know, I know there's people whose parents are narcissists. So it's important for you to set boundaries. Or you may even have an ex that is a narcissist, but you have children together and you have to deal with that person. You need to set boundaries. Okay? And if you found out that you're dealing with a narcissist and you set those boundaries, make sure that you stick with those boundaries because they would try to knock them down if you let them but if they know that you're strong enough that kind of that really kind of repels them 
They want an easy kill. They don't want to fight for it. So set your boundaries and stick to them. Don't try to get even is the next form of advice, of protection. They, there's no getting even with the narcissist. All they want is narcissistic supply. And supply could be negative attention just as much as it could be positive attention. As long as they know that you're talking about them, that, that they are occupying some space in your mind that's triggering some type of emotion, they are satisfied. So don't try to get even with them. Don't try to get even because they will go beyond. If they're vengeful, they will go beyond and they will not stop at anything to destroy you. They're conscienceless. They do not have a conscience. Protect yourself by leaving the situation. If you are in a narcissistic relationship and you identify with quite a few of the things that I shared today, get out. And even if the person is not a complete narcissist, if you're dealing with, because some of these things, like I said, are can be traits of people that are not narcissists. It could be just a person is a complete asshole uh, that just doesn't care for, me, for you or about you. Either way, leave the situation. You don't have to say, is this person a narcissist? If you're dealing with any of this stuff, get out completely. Leave just for your own sanity. Don't even try to figure it out. Just leave. Narcissists or not, if I'm dealing with someone that is making me feel any type of way or attempting to make me feel any of the things that I've expressed, I am out of there. So leave. And then lastly, as I've said this whole time, seek help and talk to someone. Someone needs to know what you're going through. Someone that you love, that loves you, and that, tr that you can trust. I hope that this episode uh, touched someone or helped someone in some sort of way. And like I stated, this is not easy to deal with. It's not easy to discover. But through sharing of information, through knowledge and being open, open <laughs> to um, seeking help, you can overcome any type of negative situation, negative relationship, um, it, any, anything is possible. You just have to take the first step. Uh, like I stated before, if you feel that you are a victim of this type of, of abuse or any type of abuse, definitely seek help. The uh, National Domestic Abuse Hotline number is 800-787-3224. If you're outside of the United States, I also have it, um, have a list linked in the description. Or you can just search for it on your own. But definitely reach out, get some help, know that you're not alone, and that you will survive, and one day you will get out of this. This is Dee, and I'm signing out. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Dating While Black. 
If you have a show idea or a suggestion, please reach out to us at info at datingwhileblack.org. This show was brought to you in part by Blush Bartending, Kitty Paw Shoes, Brunch and Body, and The Hunt Dallas. To find out more about Dating While Black, please check us out on all social media platforms. You can also visit our website at www.datingwhileblack.org. We appreciate your support. And as always, put a big smile on someone's face and go love on someone.